There are three big problems with used vehicle appraisals. One, manually sifting through comp vehicles. Two, old book values and ghost comps. Three, no recon visibility. You can solve them all with AutoVision, launching in the Reynolds & Reynolds booth at NADA. Learn more at reyrey.com slash used dash cars. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot -E com slash used dash cars. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Monday, January 29th, 2024, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Jake Neer in Detroit, in for Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Toyota suspends shipments of several vehicles with diesel engines after testing irregularities, Renault cancels a planned IPO for its EV unit, and Rivian lands a longtime Apple developer for its top product post. Plus, we'll hear from Lincoln President Diane Craig about the brand's mission to slim down its dealer network and how it's choosing which stores to cut. We want to make it easy as possible, but most importantly, that's based on having some one-on-one -on -one compassionate conversations about the future for Lincoln. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Toyota is suspending global shipments of 10 nameplates. That's after it found another case of inappropriate product testing at a group company that supplies diesel engines. The models include some Toyota Hilux pickups and Land Cruiser SUVs, as well as some Lexus LX models. The latest problems involve product certification at Toyota Industries. They follow earlier testing scandals at Toyota mini car maker Daihatsu and heavy truck affiliate Hino Motors. The revelation comes just a day before Chairman Akio Toyota plans to announce a new global vision for his automaker and its constellation of affiliates known collectively as the Toyota Group. Meanwhile, when it comes to Super Bowl advertising, Toyota is calling a last-minute audible, pardon the pun, Jamie. Boo. <laughs> just two weeks ago, Toyota said it would sit out the game. Now it says it will, in fact, run an ad during the game. A Toyota spokesperson said, quote, in the course of our campaign production, we realized that we had a creative execution that rises to the level of Super Bowl worthy. The spokesperson said the timing of the game aligns perfectly with the launch of the new Tacoma. Toyota's entry means there are now four automakers that have publicly confirmed ad plans for the event. The others are BMW, Volkswagen and Kia. Renault is canceling a planned IPO for its Ampere electric vehicle unit. It blames current market conditions. CEO Luca DeMeo says the cancellation of the IPO would have no impact on the automaker's financial guidance and its capital allocation strategy. Renault said it would continue to fund Ampere until it reaches breakeven in 2025. The unit includes all of Renault's EV activities, including a group of factories in northern France and about 10,000 employees. Ampere started operating separately from its parent on November 1st. Renault expects the unit to have revenues of about 2.8 billion euros in 2023. And an Apple veteran who led work on home devices and helped start efforts to develop an electric vehicle is leaving for Rivian. 
DJ Novotny is Apple's vice president of hardware engineering. According to people familiar with the matter who spoke with Bloomberg, he will become senior vice president of vehicle programs at Rivian. Novotny worked at Apple for nearly 25 years. He was known as a senior lieutenant to many of the company's top hardware engineering executives. He was instrumental in the development of several generations of the iPod and iPhone and helped lead development of the iPad. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, it really does feel like we're starting to see another pattern emerge when it comes to diesel engines. With these latest problems at Toyota, the world's largest automaker, how do you think attitudes toward diesel might shift, if at all, whether for individual automakers or just for the wider market? You know, it's another black eye on diesel. You know, we saw the, of course, the big scandal at Volkswagen you know, a decade ago, followed by fines paid by Stellantis now that it acquired FCA, which had been apparently cheating on some diesel engines. And now more problems at Toyota. So it's certainly, you know, for environmentalists and for regulators, there's got to be a super heightened sensitivity toward diesel and, you know, skepticism toward that as a solution. Although, yes, it can be a very good solution. Clearly to do so cleanly is uh, more challenging than a lot of companies are, are able to live up to. On the individual company level, you know, for the EV absolutists who really see that as the only path forward and are frustrated with Toyota and its, you know, insistence that hybrids, plug-in hybrids and other technologies will have a role, it's going to be another case, you know, where they're going to wag their finger at Toyota and say, you know, you're not doing enough, you're not helping enough, you're the biggest automaker and your company units are cheating. It's going to be really interesting to see, especially with the energy transition going forward, what this is all going to mean. Coming up, Lincoln is cutting another 100 retail stores after record cuts last year. We'll hear from the brand's president, Diane Craig, next on Daily Drive. Data is the backbone of your used vehicle department. You need it to find accurate comp sets and to best understand your market in order to make precise appraisal and pricing decisions. But it feels like you're always struggling to get the information you need. How much time do you spend sifting through comps because there are outliers that don't match the vehicle you're appraising? Do you frequently make manual adjustments to pricing recommendations? Reynolds' newest inventory management solution, AutoVision, can help. A.J. McGowan, president and founder of AutoVision, explains how. If you look at the way that cars are traditionally priced, you know, you can get down to specifics in terms of, you know, what zip code is it in and, you know, what options does it have on it? And, you know, some of those sorts of things. Um, but the thing that's never really taken into account um, is, you know, that dealer's, you know, specific view of the market. Our goal with AutoVision was to use, you know, technology that's available now to do real-time processing which allows dealers to really set the their view of the market into AutoVision. And then we use our tools to analyze the data that's there and show them this is what this vehicle is worth to you. AutoVision can help you run your used vehicle department with precise comp sets, real-time inventory data, and reconditioning insights. Visit reyrey.com slash used dash cars to find out more. That's reyrey.com slash used Dash cars. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Jake Neer. Lincoln is aggressively paring down its retail network. 
Last year, it cut a record 100 stores. Now, Ford's luxury brand says it plans to get rid of the same number in 2024. Diane Craig is the president of Lincoln. She spoke with our own Michael Martinez about the cuts and how Lincoln is working with dealers to trim its network. The last time we talked, you mentioned you're having a lot of individual conversations with dealers. Is that kind of how this is going to go about? How will you select uh, what dealers you need to cut? And will there be um, uh, buyout offers involved? Sure. Well, last year, this was uh, a key, you know, when I came into the role, I heard from many of our our retailers, uh, especially our duels. And their question for me was, you know, do you want me as a partner for Lincoln or not? And it was very clear, while we had been certainly open about our desire to um, reduce uh, and optimize the network and move toward brand exclusive facilities, that's always been part of the plan. But it was really important to work with our retailers and be very clear and transparent about how we were going to go about that. So we held a broadcast last year and we were very clear with our retailers on what did that look like? How would we approach that? And it was literally one-on-one conversations across all our franchise. And one of those um, cases, it's a one-on-one conversation. It isn't a one-size-fits-all, but we were very clear. Here's, it was very formulaic um, because we want to be very fair and equitable with our dealers um, that are considering, you know, ultimately, do I want to invest in the Lincoln business or not? And it's a very emotional decision for our Lincoln dealers because like myself, they love the Lincoln brand. They love the Lincoln brand. And we have many, many dealers that we're only selling one to two Lincolns a month. Again, almost all of those out of the dual facility. So that's not right. And, you know, ultimately, that's not good for the um, the Lincoln business if we're going to compete with the premium brands. But also, we need to make sure it's a good business decision for them. Ultimately, you know, it's not going to make good business to invest in a Lincoln facility. I mean, that's when we've been very clear. So again, it's a very formulaic financial incentive. Uh, And in addition to that, we added some benefits last year to help the dealers make that decision and um, including whether it be more inventory on the foreign side or we introduce what we call an an A-plan executive pin for them to look after their, you know, customer that they've had for a long time or, you know, the local mayor. So we want to make it easy as possible. But most importantly, that's based on having some one-on-one compassion and conversations about, you know, the future for Lincoln. Could you share any specifics on what those financial incentives look like? Well, you know, Mike, we're, we're not going to share the specifics on what they look like. Those are conversations that we have with our retailers. But the most important thing is that, you know, we're being really fair uh, and equitable in the process. And I think the fact that we did over 100 resignations last year is evidence of that. Did you look, did you benchmark any other brands or companies to say, hey, you know, Lincoln, you know, to, to pick the 400 number, did you say, hey, these these other guys have similar size networks. We need to get to about where they are. We certainly did a lot of benchmarking across the premium OEMs and and we look at them all. Right. And yeah, it's a consideration set for, you know, what ultimately is that throughput uh, ideally for our top 30 markets and then our top 100 so that they have um, they have a competitive return. And yeah, so that's what we look at. Ultimately, is this about having dealerships that are, are standalone, undueled with Ford? Were there any other considerations? I'm thinking specifically about the, the EV program, um, you know, those dealers who signed up for it versus dealers who didn't. A- any other considerations in, in terms of who is in that 400 group? 
Yeah, certainly. It, it comes down to the luxury industry. And if you have a luxury industry to support a viable Lincoln business, then those are the markets that we target. Whether that it's an EV or a hybrid or an ICE. So yeah, it just comes down to the luxury industry. So last year was a record for the, the number of stores consolidated. Did you expect this year to to be another record? We certainly expect to be um, as ambitious as we were in 2023 with the number of consolidations that we're planning for in 2024. Gotcha. Talked a lot about the experience for clients, right? What, what are some of the other benefits uh, of having a smaller dealer network? Do you anticipate that the dealers who remain will, will be more profitable in their businesses? Well, and that's so important because this is why it is important that they have a strong and profitable business because we want them to be able to invest in their people and their processes, first and foremost, to be able to deliver a wonderful client experience. Facilities are important, there's no question. And as we work with all our retailers, it's not about, you know, bigger is better. It's about making sure that you have a facility that's going to be, you know, deliver the experience we expect. So we're being really flexible as well with our dealers when it comes to, you know, facilities. And, you know, what does that look like five and 10 years from now, especially as many customers are even doing much of this transaction or desire to do a lot of the transaction digitally. But at the end of the day, they are going to these facilities to, test drive the vehicle, which is so critical, to ultimately be able to pick up the vehicle in many cases. And also just from a service standpoint, they want to be able to go to a facility um, that they feel comfortable. And what's really special about Lincoln is it really truly is a very human-centered brand, right? And we are all about delivering effortless experiences with our dealers. So again, brand-exclusive stores where the retailers are making the returns that they well-deserved to be able to invest in business and deliver on those experiences. So I want to be respectful in how I ask this question, but if you're looking at things from the outside, right, you'll see a a shrinking dealer network. You'll see, you know, sales have not been what you expected in the U.S. in recent years. Um, So maybe from an outside perspective, there, there might be concern about the brand, about the direction. Why should a dealer be optimistic about maybe adding a Lincoln store right now or continuing to invest in their Lincoln store right now? Sure. Well, you certainly can't face the last few years on um, future of Lincoln. Uh, 2023, look, it certainly was my ambition to grow as it was the Lincoln team and our Lincoln retailers. And, you know, there were some unforeseen things that happened in 2023 that certainly inhibited our growth. But 2023 was not where we wanted to finish. But at the end of the day, as you know, we had some challenges with Corsair and Aviator. And it was the right thing to do to focus, number one, on quality. It is our number one priority. So we were not going to compromise um, shipping products that did not meet our expectations. And at the end of the day, that had an impact overall on our sales volume in 23. But 24 is going to be a breakout year for Lincoln. And look no further than the Nautilus. So for dealers, and by the way, we had our October dealer meeting, and you know, if you talk to any of the dealers that attended that October dealer meeting, they left very enthusiastic about the future of Lincoln. We have a Corsair now that's going to compete with hybrids as well. So we've got a full year Corsair. We've got the new Nautilus that is arriving as we speak, and the feedback we're getting from customers so far, and certainly the the press that the Nautilus has gotten has been really, really, really positive. 
We're super excited about that. We're going to be making some news with aviators, you know, uh, soon. And then, of course, we'll have more to say about Navigator towards the end of the year. So by the end of this year, we are going to have a freshened Lincoln portfolio. That is why we are so excited about what's to come for Lincoln. Diane Craig is the president of Lincoln. She spoke with our own Michael Martinez. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Jake Neer in for Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Asia editor Hans Grimel for his reporting for today's podcast. We also had reporting from E.J. Schultz and Peter Siegel from our sibling publications Ad Age and Automotive News Europe. You can get the latest news on retail, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with McKinsey's Russell Hensley. We've gone from these truly established supply chains and a tier structure to something that's quite different. Uh, you know, it's it's a relatively new ecosystem of players where you've got something like a third of the value of the uh, vehicle, or the cost of the vehicle is going to be driven by the, the battery cell and the battery pack and, and what you do with that. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.